Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 25 on the death of Ishmael and how Ishmael had no momentous days with God, unlike his father Abraham, who had many days with God. Now, Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, has sent out 110 missionaries from Israel Restoration Ministries, and he is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries as a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's trying to reach lost Jewish people in 14 U.S. and Canadian cities, major Jewish cities, with the gospel. He's trying to get it out there with his testimony on DVD and a combination book of his life story, Frequently Asked Questions, and Prophecy and Fulfillments, and we're offering that to you for a donation of $40 or more for your support. Now, you can get Get that at 800-247-3051 by calling us again at 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. For more information, go to israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org. Now, Tom Cantor wants to let you know that the Jewish people have been held in Satan's bounds for long enough, and the trains to the eternal Christless Auschwitz have rolled out unobstructed for long enough. Now, there has got to be a group of believers who will stand up and say, no, never again will a lost Jewish soul slip into a Christless eternity. Now, all of the believers who have some part in the Summer Blitz 2015 are those believers, and you can have a part in that. Now, there has got to be a mass organized effort like the Summer Blitz to stop those trains to the eternal Auschwitz. And the Summer Blitz, again, is that effort. Now, there's got to be a group of brave souls who dare to stop those trains and plead with the prisoners to get off the trains. And those 110 Summer Blitz missionaries who are going out to these 14 Jewish cities are those brave souls. Now, there has got to be a group of committed praying believers who will stand as Moses on the mountaintop and hold out their hands to God for these 110. 10 Summer Blitz missionaries, and we need your committed prayer support for these 110 missionaries who will go out preparing to enter into hostile territory as they hold out their hands of rescue and love to the Jewish people. Will you support our effort to reach lost Jewish people? We be a part of the Summer Blitz 2015 that, again, is going to reach over 700,000 lost Jewish souls. Call us with your support of any amount at 800 247 3051 800-247-3051. Reach the Jew first with the gospel with Israel Restoration Ministries. Again, 800-247-3051. And for a donation of $40 or more, we'll send you Tom Cantor's Life Story on DVD and his combination book that has three books in one. So again, 800-247-3051 or israelrestoration.org or friendshipwithgod.com. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God. Are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. See, Isaac was weak. He had a lot of problems. But God chose him, and he made up for Isaac all that Isaac was not. Isaac, in his weakness, found everything that he was not in God. And those verses are interesting because it talks about all that we are not, and therefore, God chooses us. I mean, we're not wise, we're, we're foolish, we're not strong, we're weak. But then those verses, after they make clear all that we're not, go on to say that the Lord Jesus Christ has made unto us wisdom, righteousness. So in the last part of verse 11, we are told where Isaac has chose to live. And uh, it says that he chose to live by the well of Lahiroi. Now, Abraham's tent, or Abraham's camp, was primarily in the city of Hebron. And the flocks grazed in Beersheba. 
But here we see Isaac has chosen to live by the well Lahairi. Now, this well of Lahairi was Hagar's well because this was the well that, that, that God spoke to Hagar. And, and we saw earlier that, that, that he, he liked this place. He was there when Rebekah came and he met Rebekah at Lahairi. But more importantly, the well Lahairi was the place where Isaac met with God. It was a solitary place. It was a place of, of seclusion. And Isaac, he loved solitude. He loved seclusion. Because that was Isaac. He was a man that took time to consider. He was a man that loved to contemplate. You need quietness. You need to be alone to do that. And we think of the well, Lahire, and what God said to Hagar there. It was at that well when Hagar thought her life was over and she was going to perish along with the unborn child in her in the desert. And God found her and said to her in Genesis 16, 10 through 11, and the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, behold, thou art with child and shall bear a son. See, they didn't have ultrasound in those days, so he didn't know, so God told him. And you'll call his name Ishmael because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. See, when she thought, just at the moment, she thought, my life is over. Then God came to her and told her, your life's not over. You're going to have a son, and I'm going to multiply him. So what does that represent for Hagar? Vision. She thought her vision was death by the well. But God said, no. God said, when she looked at her circumstances, she saw death and her no vision for her future. But when she heard from God, Hagar then saw life and vision for her future. See, for those reasons, Isaac loved this well because it represented life and vision to him. And like Hagar, when Isaac looked at himself, he saw death, he saw no vision for the future, but that well represented for Isaac a looking away from himself and to God in whom he saw life for himself and vision for his future. See, that's the same for us. When we look within ourselves and our circumstances, we see death and we see no vision for our future. But when we do like Hagar and Isaac did at that well of the highway, then we, we, like them, we see life for ourselves and we see vision for our future. And we need the vision, as it says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, the people perish. Now, there's a question for you. Can you think of any reason why that well of Lahiroi was not an easy place for Isaac to be at? You give me a reason? Why do you think it, yeah, Ken? Yeah? Okay, because of memories of the path, that's right. Because... Because of Hagar and Ishmael, you know. And uh, who was Hagar and Ishmael to Isaac? Who was Hagar? She was the bitter rival enemy to his mother Sarah. And Isaac loved his mother Sarah deeply. And yet it was this, is at this well that, her, that, that his mother's arch rival and enemy received life and, uh, the message of life and vision. See, this was Hagar's well. Hagar hated his mother, and his mother hated Hagar. And Isaac chose to live at Hagar's well. That was not easy for Isaac, old pal, old buddy boy. It wasn't easy for him to go live at Hagar's well where her son Hagar had mocked him and wanted to displace him. See, for Isaac's life, it would have been a lot simpler if there was no Hagar. It would have been a lot simpler for Sarah if there was no Hagar. Sorry, it would have been a lot simpler for him if there was no Ishmael. But it was at that well where Ishmael was announced. You know, God gave the birth announcement for Ishmael. He's going to be born. God gave his name. He's going to call him Ishmael. And his future is secured by God. 
It was as easy for Isaac to live by Hagar's well than it would be for an Israeli to live by the place where Al-Qaeda was born. Hagar and Ishmael are not neutral characters in Isaac's life. Isaac was loyal to his mother, Sarah, and Sarah hated Hagar, and she hated Ishmael. Hagar and Ishmael were the arch enemies of his mother, Sarah. And since Isaac was so tied to his mother, Sarah, that made Hagar and Ishmael Isaac's enemies. But verse 11 tells us that Isaac lived by her well. And Isaac lived at the enemy's well. He would live at no other place than Hagar as well, than his enemy's well. See, for Isaac to live by Hagar's well took a lot of humility for Isaac. If Hagar's well had had so many bad memories, as you said, Ken, for Isaac, with the establishment of his arch enemy and rival and his mother and, and so forth, why did Isaac choose to live there, of all places? Because that was the place where God spoke to Isaac. And if Isaac wanted to be in the place where God would speak to him, he had to go there. Isaac had to put away all his feelings of hatred of his enemies. Isaac, for Isaac to live at Hagar's well meant that Isaac had a tremendously difficult choice to make. See, Isaac had to choose between holding his grudge against his enemies, Hagar and Ishmael, doing that, you walk away from the place where God speaks to you. Or the choice is you bury your grudge against your enemies and you go to the place where God speaks to you. See, Isaac had to make this decision, and and the decision was just how important was it for Isaac to hold on to that grudge against his enemies because because Isaac's future with God was on the line. And and when the last part of verse 11 says that Isaac dwelt by the well, the high road, we we see that Isaac chose God. And and, and, And if it meant bearing his grudge against his enemies, so be it. That choice that Isaac made when he dwelt by the well, the high rate, of choosing God over his grudge, over his enemies, is exactly the choice that the Lord Jesus Christ presents to us when he said in Matthew 5, 43 through 45, you've heard that it's been said, you shall love your neighbor, hate your enemy. I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. That's Ishmael. He's cursing Isaac. He hates Isaac. Pray for them to spitefully use you, persecute you that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. See, the Lord Jesus said in those verses, we are to make that hard decision to love our enemies just as Isaac made the hard decision to to love his enemies, Hagar and Ishmael. And the reason we're to make the hard decision to love our enemies is the same reason Isaac chose to love his enemies, so we and Isaac can be the children of our Heavenly Father. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. As we mentioned at the beginning of the program, we have a Summer Blitz campaign to reach Jewish people around 14 U.S. and Canadian cities this summer, going on right now through August 4th with 110 missionaries from Israel Restoration Ministries. And Tom Cantor is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. We'd like you to be a part of Jewish evangelism and bringing the gospel to the Jewish people. Tom Cantor is sending out his DVD testimony and also a book with three books in it, his personal testimony, frequently asked questions, and prophecy and fulfillments of the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you'd like a copy of these materials that will be reaching 700,000 doors, we want you to call us at 800-247-3051. And for a donation of $40 or more, we'll send you these materials. Again, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or go online and support us at Friendship with God. friendshipwithgod.org or 800-247-3051. 
Now, here again is our Bible teacher and founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, Tom Cantor, teaching us from the book of Genesis. And so we and Isaac can be the children that are in fellowship with our Heavenly Father. The choice between holding a grudge and not holding a grudge against our enemies is really a choice. You want fellowship with God or not? And for Isaac, that was an easy decision. He chose fellowship with God and therefore loved his enemies. That's why we see Isaac dwelling by the well of in verse 11. He decided, to, I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to die to my feelings of revenge. This week I heard of a person who um, was fired from a big organization, a Christian, and he said, I've been praying the wrath of God down on that organization, and I've been praying that I get to see it. That's not exactly loving your enemies. <laughs> and Isaac decided to die to himself, and, he was, he, and, and his justifiable feelings of anger toward his enemies, Hagar and Ishmael, in order to, but he said, I'm going to die to that because I want to meet with God. And so I'll be over here. Just look me up at Hagar's well, the well, the high royal. Now we come to verse 12, where we're told the generations. These are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's handmaid, bearing him. These are the generations. Here's this phrase. These are the generations. Commonly used Hebrew word for generations, teladot, and which comes from the Hebrew word yalad for children. In 1 Chronicles 1, 28-30, these are the teladot, the generations of Abraham, Genesis 36.1, these are the Teledoth generations of Esau. Genesis 37.1, these are the Teledoth generations of Jacob. What this is showing us is that God is taking notice of the generations. It's showing us no one vanishes from history without an accounting. No one will vanish into annihilation without an accounting. Like it says in 1 Peter 1.17, you call on the Father who without respect to persons judgeth according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear. Now, verse 12, we say how Hagar is referred to as the Egyptian. And now we'll have in the next three verses the names of the grandchildren uh, who become the Arab peoples. See, by calling their grandmother Hagar the Egyptian makes them Hagarites, Hagarites, which is how they are identified in 1 Chronicles 5.10, where it says Saul made war with the Hagarites. They all came from her. And these people became the people who populated, as it says, from Saudi Arabia up through Syria. And it says in verse 13 that that they had 12 princes, like Israel has 12 princes. And now we come to the summary of the life of Ishmael, where it says in verse 17, these are the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years, and he gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people. So here in this verse, we see the summary of the life of Ishmael. And in this chapter, we've also seen something very similar, the summary of the life of Abraham. Very similar words in verse 7, where it said about Abraham, these are the days, remember? We talked about it. These are the days of the years of the life of Abraham's life, which he lived, 103 score and 15 years. Now, these two verses are very similar, but there is one little yet important difference between verse 7 and 17. What's the difference? You look at verse 7, sorry? Days, days, see? Verse 7, these are the days of the years of Abraham's life. Verse 17, these are the years of the life of of Ishmael. There's no mention of days. In Abraham's case, it says these are the days, but in Ishmael's case, these are the years. See, Ishmael's case doesn't say these are the days. The summary of Abraham's life is so important, his days, that it's called out. But the summary of Ishmael's life, there's no importance to his days. It's being called out. Why? Why? Because in the life of Ishmael, 
He had no momentous days with God. See, Abraham is seen as having momentous, great days with God. But Ishmael is not seen as having those great, momentous days with God. That's not to say that Ishmael did not achieve, did not build tremendously on earth compared to Abraham, over the top. Ishmael far outweighed Abraham in terms of what he built and accomplished and achieved on earth. We can see this in verse 16 when it talks about Ishmael and his sons and their outstanding achievements of building great towns and castles, naming them after them, their, the, the sons. But by contrast, Abraham, he didn't build one town. Abraham, he didn't build one castle. And there are no places named for Abraham. Abraham's name is not even there. If Abraham was living here, he would say, don't call that annex Abraham's Hall. He wouldn't do that. It appears that Ishmael and his sons, they had notable days when they had those towns and castles that were built, but it appears that Abraham, he didn't have any notable days of building on earth. But that's not how heaven sees it. Heaven sees great, momentous days in the life of Abraham. A great, momentous day in heaven's estimation is a day when Abraham met with God, is a day when Abraham prayed in intercession to God, is a day when Abraham worshipped God. That was a great, momentous day in Abraham's life. A great, momentous day in heaven's estimation is a day when God was trusted and relied on. Heaven takes notice of those great momentous days, and that's why in the case of Abraham it says, and these are the days in the life of Abraham. Heaven does not see any great momentous days in the life of Ishmael with all the building of the towns and the castles. Heaven doesn't see any great momentous days of prayer in the life of Ishmael. There's no great momentous days in the life of Ishmael when he intercedes for others or when he worships God. There's no great momentous days in the life of Ishmael when he trusts and relies on God. And since there were no great momentous days in Ishmael's life, the summary of his life in verse 17 does not call out days, but just a not great, a not momentous blur of years. With the words of verse 17, these are the years of the life of Ishmael. We live, you and I, we live in the middle of a sea of Ishmaels all around us. Ishmaels all around us who only live for today. Ishmaels all around us who have no great momentous days with God. For them, their lives are like Ishmael with no great momentous days with God. Ishmaels all around us who achieve what they think are great accomplishments, building families and businesses and buildings and writing books, and they're like Ishmael, no great momentous days with God. What are we to do as as we live in the sea of all these Ishmaels? Rescue the Ishmaels from perishing. To tell them that, that with all their accomplishments, there's only one life which will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Now, when we look at verse 17, where it says Ishmael gave up the ghost and died, we compare it again to verse 8, where it also says Abraham gave up the ghost and died. Now, after it says that about Abraham, and after it says that about Ishmael, what is missing about the description of Ishmael? Oh, I assume he was buried. Okay. (laughs) What else? Keep going. His life was, what word is missing? It's present in verse You'll see it there. It's present in verse 8. It's not present in verse 17. Full, sabia. It's not there with Ishmael. It's there with Abraham. It's not there. Abraham was satisfied with his life on earth. He was ready to leave. He'd had enough of this world. 
But that word, full, sabia, satisfied, it's missing in the description of Ishmael when he died. See, Ishmael was not full. Ishmael was not sabia. He wasn't satisfied at the end of his life. He was, he, Ishmael died a frustrated, unfulfilled, not satisfied man. He didn't want to die, and he was not tired of the world. And death came as a grand interruption. Now, we see, we see how old Ishmael was when he died. It was just a mere 137 years old. Well, I know it sounds like a long time, but when you compare that to Abraham, who was 180 years old, and to Isaac, who was 175 years old, he was a young man at 137. What's interesting, because I'm sure that Ishmael, seeing himself as the man of La Mancha, an outdoors man, a man of health and robustness, he never would have thought that, that he would have died so much younger than those frail, his frail Isaac, for example, half-brother which shows what James said. We need to heed that in James 4, 4 13, through 14, 13, 14, 13 through 16. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live, do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. So now we read in verse 18, they dwelt in Havilah unto Shur, which is, bef- which is before Egypt, as thou goest towards Syria, and he died in the presence of all his brethren. So we read that Ishmael died in the presence of all his brethren. That's the second time in the book of Genesis that we read this phrase about Ishmael, in the presence of all his brethren. So we read that when God spoke to Hagar in verse 12 of chapter 16, he said about Ishmael, he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he will dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Same phrase. See, here God told Hagar that Ishmael is going to be a wild man. He's going to be a fighter. He's going to be everyone's his enemy, and he's the enemy of everyone. He's wild. He's obnoxious. No one liked him. Ishmael was a boaster. He bragged about how wild and great he was in the presence of all his brethren. And then in verse 18 it says, and he died in the presence of all his brethren. In the Hebrew, the word died is not there. Mut, the Hebrew word mut, that's not, what the, that's not the word. But it's, it, it, the word that's translated died is really the word that we studied before, nafal, fall. So really, literally, verse 18 reads, and he fell in the presence of his brethren. Maybe that means he had a sudden heart attack or, or a stroke or fell down dead. We don't know. But we do know that when he died in the presence of all his brethren, brethren there, they saw at a relatively younger age a bragger, an obnoxious, a fighter fall down dead. And that sight is a lesson because it really answers the question, who really flourishes? See, in Psalm 92.7 it says, when the wicked spring as the grass and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. Psalm 92, 12, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He'll grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Psalm 92, 13, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. he that trusted in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. Proverbs 14, 11, the house of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the tabernacle, the tent of the upright shall flourish. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for preserving all of this for us, Lord, so that we can be your children, sit in your classroom, and, and, and learn from our God. 
and, and help us to be good students, Lord, who are not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. In Jesus' name, amen. Another great day of Bible teaching here on Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, as we've been mentioning all week long, the Summer Blitz Jewish Evangelism Campaign is continuing throughout the U.S. and Canada in 14 major Jewish cities as we've sent out 110 Israel Restoration Ministries missionaries into Jewish cities with gospel information, Tom Cantor's testimony on DVD, as well as a combination book of his written personal testimony, frequently asked questions by Jewish people, and prophecy and fulfillments of the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We take these materials with these 110 missionaries, and we go to 700,000 doors in Jewish communities where Jewish people live and need the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Tom Cantor is a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and as the president and founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, wants to reach these Jewish people through this Summer Blitz Jewish Evangelism Outreach Campaign. Will you support the gospel going to the Jew first? As commanded in Romans 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and you can be a part of going to the Jew first with the Summer Blitz Jewish Evangelism Campaign. Let's reach lost Jewish people before it's too late for them. And they're on the trains to Auschwitz, the eternal Christless Holocaust that's going to be happening in the future. Be a part of Jewish Evangelism by calling us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Reach the most unreached people group in the world, the lost Jewish people of America, the Israel that's right here in our backyard in the U.S. and in Canada. 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Or for more information, go to israelrestoration.org. Donate also at friendshipwithgod.org.